Thank you for tuning in to the Crimson Flow Biblecast podcast. My family and I really and honestly hope that this podcast helps you grow spiritually, get closer to the Lord, and maybe even give you a tad bit of motivation to help spread the word so that maybe your family and friends will find their way closer as well. Before we get started, I'd like to just take a minute to let you hear from our sponsors. Alrighty, let's go ahead and get on in here and start this lesson. I am honestly kind of dumbfounded today on what I'm going to do, but I kind of feel the need to start a kind of Ephesians run But the way I'm doing this is not going to be in order. But today I think I'm going to talk on how a marriage is supposed to function, if that makes sense. And I'm sorry guys, just tell you in advance, if my voice sounds a little different today, I've got a small headache. It just will not go away. So, let's get started. Alright, let's go straight to the chapter 5 of the book of Ephesians. And we're going to start at verse 22 and 23. So let me just go ahead and read those real quick. And they say in verse 22, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Now these are really the two verses that everybody wants to jump to conclusions to when they say, Oh, this is how the marriage is supposed to act. The wives are supposed to submit to the husbands and do their their bidding. And, and then also... You know, they get the women saying, well, you're supposed to love as Christ loved the church, which is true. But let's look in context here. The verse before it actually says, in verse 21, it says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. What that basically means to me is that if you submit yourself to your husband, then he should be following the will of the Lord, not his own will. If he's doing something ungodly, then then you're not supposed to submit to that. I mean, you're supposed to su- submit to the will of the Lord. And how do we know the will of the Lord? Well, I mean, we read the Bible. Well, then we go down a couple of verses, and in verse 24 it says, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. But then it also says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Okay, that adds a lot more context to what we were talking about here. And kind of to carry this thing on, I'm just going to jump back into the book of Genesis, back to um, Adam and Eve in the third book of Genesis. I'm not going to read any scripture because we all know the the story. Uh, The the devil came as a serpent and he tricked Eve into taking part or partaking in the fruit. I can't talk today for some reason. And it's what happened next which is what sets the tone for the entire world, okay? If Eve had simply taken the apple or the fruit, partook in the 
act, whichever you believe. But not told Adam about it. Or not simply convinced Adam. Or if Adam would have even said no, that he wasn't going to partake in it. You know, kind of like say no to drugs, kids. If he would have refused or she didn't tell him, do I believe that the world would have been cursed? In a sense, no. Um, I feel like the fact that because he's head of the marriage, the fact that he gave in to his wife's antics, knowing they were ungodly, knowing that they were against his direct order, that is why God fully cursed. I, I mean, I feel like Eve would have been punished, you know, kind of like um, in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Not really the city getting destroyed, but the part where Lot's wife, she turned around and faced the other direction. She turned into a pillar of salt. Would something like that have happened? I believe so. And then Adam would have been given another wife. But that did not happen. And that's what's really important here is because Adam, knowing it was ungodly, he partook in it the same. And yes, Eve was cursed more because she was the first one that disobeyed. And which from then on, all women of all generations are cursed with the monthly period, the childbirth, and all sorts of stuff, the, the the land. See, that's also where I believe that the desert comes from, is the Garden of Eden, where God cursed that land because of that act. So in a sense, I do believe that simply we as Christian couples should keep each other in check. Don't submit to ungodliness if that makes sense but at the same time husbands be the godly man that christ has called you to be so she won't have to worry about that and you can guide her you look at it statistics today how many true christian homes have successful families and it's a bunch of them that's why i said true christian homes if there's a lot of secrecy going on that nobody knows about, and I'm not trying to start rumors or drama with anybody that might be listening to this, but just think about it. If the male goes to church, leads his family to church, chances are his family will fall in line. The wife of the, the family is more likely to see the example that God is putting in her husband and then going on down the line the kids are going to see the amazing role model that these godly people are presenting to them but heading on back to the book of Ephesians we we go back and we read where it says husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it what does Jesus say in one of his teaching sessions? And when I say teaching, one of his disciples asked him a question when he was talking about forgiveness. Jesus was asked about forgiveness that if his brother did him wrong, should he forgive him seven times? And Jesus answered him back, said, no, you must forgive him 70 times seven. Now, do I believe that literally means 70 times seven no, I believe Jesus used that as a context to say that 
you should forgive your brother, your brethren, your neighbor, no matter how many times they wrong do you. Because Jesus does the same. We are told to be like Jesus. He forgives us every single day for our wrongdoings. He covers us in his blood for everything we do. Even if we don't realize we are sinning, we are still sinning. Nobody is perfect. I don't care if you're Joel Osteen or Kenneth Copeland or whoever it is. If you are a human being, you are of the flesh and you are a sinful nature. But we must look to Christ to lead us out of that. And that's kind of a side note. And I can get into that sermon any other day of the week. But today we're talking about how it impacts our marital or relationship lives. So, what does that mean? Husband, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. Say she gets the wrong kind of milk. Or she gets the orange juice and it has the pulp in it and you cannot stand the pulp. Do you forgive her? Or do you go lashing out rage? Last time I checked, rage was of the devil. So therefore, I believe you should forgive her. And yes, I get it. Repetitive acts can trigger emotions. But that's why we lean on Christ for for calmness, for, for stability, for wisdom. You know, so that we can have that calm nature that every marriage needs. So that... For when your do, your wife does give you the pulp-filled orange juice. And I'm using that as an example. There are so much other things that I could have used there. But that was the first thing that popped in my head. Because I was thinking about orange juice, to be honest with you. But the point is, if we take all these small things, or even some of the big things, and we're always trying to get a resolve out of them, instead of just forgiving and letting go, then it's just going to build. It's going to build and build and build and build until you realize you don't know each other, for one, because you've changed so much because of the interaction between you two, or B, you don't even love each other anymore. And that's a hard, bittersweet bargain because the person you once knew and loved wholeheartedly has changed because of different interactions of bitterness adding up together. So husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And another thing, even as Christ gave himself for it, I've seen so many men out there swear up and down, I would take a bullet for my wife, but half of them, I don't believe it. Christ got on that cross without second thinking or second guessing it. There was one time when he was praying right before he was captured, he asked God, he said, if you can pass this cup for me, please do. But if it is your will and I must do it, then let it be. And that's paraphrasing uh, because I couldn't remember word for word, but that was the same thing. He wanted out in a sense because he was human enough But he also, I think, did that to try to show us that God's will is for the betterness in the end, even though the road is hard. And just a quick little end note here. I know that a lot of you are probably thinking, 
Well, this guy's talking on marriage. Is he married? I was married. And because we didn't submit each other or to each other, like biblically says we're supposed to do, and I didn't love her as Christ loved the church, and she didn't put forth that same kind of effort from the other end, whether it be from, like I said, this little small bitter arguments that led up and snowballed into something that just kind of got out of control. That's the reason we're not together no more. And honestly, because of those events, like I told you earlier, it will change you as a person. And there's not a lot you can do to get back. Or maybe even you didn't need to be that person. You needed to improve yourself, and that's why I say that. But the point of the matter is the lack of actual down-to-scripture godly marriage is what caused the demise and our divorce. And I don't hold that against her, and she doesn't hold that against me, or at least I hope not. We've come to that terms that we were just not fully made for each other, especially at that point in our life. We got married young. We've got three beautiful kids together. And I don't regret the kids that we have. I don't regret the time we spent together. But at the same time, I do look back and think, would it have been different if I would have pulled my Bible out of the closet, dusted it off a little bit more, and read it more? Probably. But now it's time to move on with my life. And I say all that because I hope that somebody out there hearing this will take these notes, you know, read their Bible on what marriage is supposed to be like, what kind of woman they're supposed to look for, to find one that they're equally yoked with. So that that doesn't happen to them. Am I heartbroken? I was at first. But now I have come to conclusion that we're better off apart. Whether it be that we're two different people now than what we was when we met. Or the fact that we weren't meant to be together at all. And we just jumped the gun. And that's me saying that after being with her and her being with me. For nine years of marriage and ten year relationship. So on a last statement, I tell you this. If you're looking for a woman, or a, if you're a woman looking for a man, be thoughtful, be biblical, and pray. Ask God. He will show you if that person is the right person. So thank you all for listening. God bless you all. And see you next time.